I'm your host, David Nage. This is Baselayer, where institutional investors come to learn about crypto. The views, information, or opinions expressed during the Baselayer podcast series are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of ARCA, where David Nage is a principal. ARCA is not responsible and does not verify the accuracy of any of the information contained in the podcast series available for listening. The primary purpose of this podcast series is to educate and inform. The podcast series does not constitute financial advice or other professional advice or services. Please do your own research. This is David, and this is your new episode of Baselayer. This is a great, great show because I have Jack, the CEO and founder of Scale Labs, back with us today. I think it's been about two or three magical years since you've been on, but it's good to have you back, Jack. How's everything going over there? Good to, good to be back. Yeah. I mean, as we were you know, talking earlier, it was been magical years is probably the right way to put it. But all of us that are still here have some great battle scars and uh, we wear them proudly, right? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Jack and his team have been there for a long time building and, you know, as we were talking earlier today, you know, some of the things that they've been thinking about and working on have actually started to really manifest, especially in the world of gaming, uh, which if anyone has listened to my show for the last few years has known gaming, in my opinion, is one of the biggest portals to massive adoption of digital assets. So we're going to talk all about what scale is doing these days in gaming. But in addition to that, for those that have not uh, been following Scale, we're going to give them a little bit of a one-on-one on what Scale does. Before we do that, just for those that have not met Jack before, what we'd like to do is, Jack, just tell us what you did you know, prior to Scale and what gave you the idea of it. And then we'll go right into Scale and into some of the things that are happening on the gaming side. All right. Awesome. Yeah. So I've been in uh, Silicon Valley, started companies since 2008. Uh, I actually joined a, a mobile security startup in 2005 uh, and Fired by Motorola, it was called Good Technology. Started a couple of enterprise software companies, uh, uh, in particular in the space of AI and machine learning, and built one of the largest uh, AI companies servicing the life science and you know biotech, uh, global pharma industry. Uh, did that for almost a decade, and then I was starting my next company, and I just spending all this is in 2017. I was spending all my time reading and learning about crypto. And I had, you know, went down the rabbit hole very early, uh, kind of, I was part of the 2013 enthusiast crowd. And yeah, when I started my next company, I said, Hey, I got to do it in this space. I was captured by Ethereum and, you know, wanted to build an application. And I met my co-founder Stan and we, he wanted to build an application we were running into scalability issues. And he, you know, is a world renowned cryptographer and physicist and, you know, had designed a scaling mechanism. We decided let's go take that to other people. Right. And help them instead of build our own app. So that's that's really how the, the condensed version of how I got in the space. Awesome. So we're going to dive right into it for everyone there. We'll obviously have show notes like we always do to point people to obviously the website, to blogs, to information to help you guys learn about this. But let's dive right into this. So one of the problems, the problem sets is to increase adoption of Ethereum-based applications and decentralized solutions in general the industry, and this is coming from you guys directly, needs to scale not just transaction throughput, but also the user experience. Amen. Uh, UI, UX, big focus on that in 24. Finally, we're actually paying attention to the users and not just the networks. 
Scaling the user experience means solving for transactions per second, as well as solving for latency, connectivity to API-based wallets, cost-effectiveness, seamless messaging between chains, and much more. I agree with all of that. We have to be on par, if not better, than what we have in Web 2. And we really can't say, oh, it's just a Web 3 application. It could be slow and crappy. So talk to us about that. You know, How does scale play into that? Yeah, you know, first I want to call out, I think one of the biggest mistakes I see in term from like builders and also just analysts, enthusiasts when it comes to evaluating blockchains is we think that one blockchain should be everything to everyone. And the reality is, is there's trade-offs in how you design blockchains, how you design, you know, how you work your way around the trilemma, right? The scalability trilemma. And, you know, we decided early on, we said, hey, all the applications we wanted to build needed to service you know, millions of users and do, you know, hundreds of millions of transactions. And, you know, you look here, I'm looking on my other screen here at L2 fees today, and I'm seeing everywhere from 17 cents to $2.70 just to swap tokens on mm -hmm. all the layers. And we kind of got caught in this middle zone a while ago where we were like, yeah, we're not a really a layer two, but we're not a layer one. We're built into Ethereum. But we made that design decision because we knew we had to service a market that was going to be growing and it wasn't focused on DeFi, it's focused on applications that needed high throughput and a good UX. And um, and so, you know, that's the, that's the space we fit into. We're not trying, scale is trying to support Ethereum, but it's not trying to do everything for Ethereum. And I think uh, one of the messaging and product marketing challenges people have is that they think their chain or their specific scaling solution needs to be an end-all be-all for all you know, types of applications. That's interesting. So you started to see some level of the specificity of different chains trying to service different sectors, if you will. Uh, some that were incredibly, quote unquote, high throughput, some that were, were focused on latency and finality. And so it's really interesting, as you alluded to, is that you know one of the theses I have, and this is my thesis, again, obviously not my firm, but mine, there's going to be multiple L1s and L2s that are still obviously in existence. And that's fine. It doesn't need to be one singular one. It doesn't need to be two. It, there, there could be multiple ones for different things. So completely agree with you on that. One of the things that I wanted to hit on here is that scale, as what you've been building there, has really focused on the narrative of zero gas costs. And I know you want to talk more about that, what that means. Uh, but as you just alluded to, you're looking at a chart of L2 gas fees right now. If I'm someone outside who's trying to start to look at digital asset applications, and let's say that I'm you know, using a game, for instance, or I'm actually trying to do a payment. Now, we're used to, as a society, we're used to having subsidies kind of embedded in there. You, anytime you've ever looked at like your telecom you know, kind of bill, or your cable bill back in the day, you know, before the kind of the bundling crisis of the last few years, you will see in line items of different things, line items of different payments, different taxes, different subsidies, et cetera, et cetera, all these things that are happening. Talk to us about the importance of really kind of alleviating that problem with gas and, you know, how that actually plays into what you're building at scale. Yeah, it's interesting. I think a lot of our competitors that you see these high gas fees, um, and, you know, if you look at them, that makes sense if you're doing DeFi. You're going to pay $0.30, cents, $0.17 cents a, a swap. 
and I'm swapping hundreds of dollars or thousands of dollars, you know, not a big deal. But if I'm playing a game and I have, I'm triggering smart contracts that like impact the logic of who wins this battle or who wins this card or um, who wins the race and where the, you know, the tokens go, you know, those things are too expensive to put on chain at like, you know, if you're doing hundreds of thousands a day at 17 cents, 20 cents, 30 cents. And so a scale has, but, you know, so you see a lot of subsidies still from, from, you know, I see people trying to subsidize gas fees directly. The issue with that is that the unit economics aren't good. <laughs> You're still subsidizing 17 cents a transaction, 30 or a swap, 30 cents a swap. Scale has a different uh, approach to consensus. So consensus runs in each scale chain, but validators aren't paid on each block. Validators work in what I call a, a unified validation model. They actually all work together. And at the end of the month, all the validators that are good, they all also keep score, they track each other, everyone kind of gets a performance score. And then if you're good, you share in the bounty that month. That bounty includes inflation and fees. And so what happens is the developers, instead of subsidizing the gas fees through some grant from a treasury, through a relayer on scale, get to just rent space. And so they're renting this space and it's like you're renting a car, you rent it for the month. You're not paying by the mile. Other, you know, in other systems, you're paying by the mile. Here, you're renting it by the month. You might even, might stay in the garage all month, um, and you didn't even drive it, or you drove it as much as you could. Which in our, you know, and back to our world is, you know, at 400 transactions per second. Um, so, so that by removing the cost per unit, we make it cost per space or cost per the compute size, and really like the amount of the chain you're getting. The unit economics are just an order of magnitude better. Right. So this gets to, I think this is a point I wanted to allude to, but you've gotten there already. So you had alluded to that storing data on public chains is costly and limited, whereas data storage within the scaled network is more extensive and economical. Is that what you were alluding to here? What I say, less data stored, more about data execution, more about smart contract computation, transactions. And yes, you are storing a repository of state data um, about what happens. But the costly part is like, you know, paying for consensus, paying for security. Because you have to, you know, if you have block rewards, they have to be substantial enough to have, you know, the carrot. Uh, and, you know, and if your your mechanism to alleviate congestion is, is, is surge pricing, you have to have some element of surge or you're going to kind of get, you know, spammed. On scale, we have this unlimited supply capacity. So there's 20 chains instead of one, and there could be 200 or 400. And so congestion is alleviated by creating more space and incentivizing validators to create more nodes. And so that those mechanics end up being, you know, enabling you not to store data more effectively, but execute it more effectively in a still a secure manner. And right. it ends up lending itself really well to AI applications, uh, high, high throughput, applications that are web3 social applications and gaming which is you know you know quickly becoming the you know the majority of you know a big chunk of the scale transaction throughput we're not there yet we're gonna get there we're not there yet yeah the, by the way you know what's fun about this compared to two years ago and i think probably for all your guests that are repeat guests before we were talking about what we could do with these great ideas and I'm excited to in a little bit if you're listening and you wait, you gotta, you know, this is no longer theoretical. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, that was the that was the important thing is a few years ago when I started the show it was, you know, in theory, obviously you all, you know, you and Anatoly and others out there were trying to, you know, manifest, you were trying to build your 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 visions. And as to your point now, that's happening. And so the happening part is really cool. So we're going to get there. But one of the things I also wanted to talk about, there's an important element in scale. Um, and again, for those that like to geek out on these things, we will provide the, the the kind of knowledge base, all that information. You guys can read about it. What are BLS signatures and why are they important to this? Yeah, BLS signatures add a much heightened level of security to the network. So when they participate in the consensus mechanism at scale, the way the validators can communicate to, and they participate in bridging. And so BLS is a, it's a, it's a method of essentially being able to cryptographically create a message that's very efficient and lean and uh, low on like data weight and, and be able to send this and have it uh, in a highly fast, secure way read and processed on the other side. And so that's one of the re- so scale amongst all of these chains use, uses BLS to message really quickly for interchain communication. And you see this with a lot of bridging solutions now. I think Axelar uses a threshold uh, encryption mechanism and a lot of them use threshold encryption. Well, one critical thing about scale, one, hey, we want to open up to the these bridging uh, solutions as well. But scale bridging doesn't, uh, it has the same uh, trust reliability as consensus. To break the scale bridging, you need to break two thirds of consent of, of uh, the nodes. Uh-huh. And to break BLS, just it's the same d- default as consensus. Other chains might have thousands of nodes, but they have a three of five multi-sig for bridging. And, you know, you just have to break three of five and scale. The trust assumptions essentially are 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 similar. Right. Now we get to go into the fun part. So as you alluded to when you were on the show last, it was theoretical. It was this is what we're going to build. And now it is obviously this is what we've built and this is how it's being used. And so with the things like the virtualized subnodes, with obviously the you know, kind of the focus on zero gas costs, uh, with the ideas of obviously the computational and the storage resources that you provide to your validators, gaming has become one of your cornerstones uh, in the ecosystem right now. It, again, for those that don't know the stats, I've said them probably about a billion times, but I'll say them again. Three billion gamers around the world. Population is 8 billion, so you can guys can do the math. 40, about 40% there. 3 billion gamers around the world, and they spend, you know, especially with things like Fortnite, they've spent over 10 million hours, give or take, if not more, playing the game since, you know, roughly 2018 or so. So think about it. <laughs> you know, if, you, if you're listening and you happen to have kids of the age that are gamers right now, they're probably playing games. They're probably playing Fortnite. They may be playing other things out there. They might be playing Zelda. Depends on how old they are. If you are listening and you are a gamer, you might be playing Call of Duty or World of Warcraft or many other different games. But you typically are spending a few hours a week, if not more, in front of a screen playing a game. And it's not just a game. It is actually now a social network. This is where you connect with people, especially back in the time when I had Jack on last, when we were all kind of stuck in our houses, et cetera. You know, gaming became a huge social network. That's what you did. So the confluence of gaming is 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 natural. And the issue that we've had in, you know, the world of digital assets and Web3 is that games usually need to have things that are incredibly fast. They need to have 
you know, low latency. They need to have high throughput. Uh, they need to ensure, as Jack just alluded to, that if you are buying artifacts of a game, you know, a sword or a pair of sneakers from the Nike store, et cetera, et cetera, that you're also going to get hit with a preponderous amount of gas to try to get that done. And so talk to us. So I know in 2023, uh, one of your stats that you guys have put out, most active gaming chains scale leads with 230,000 Ronin on the come up. And that came from CoinGecko. How are you guys tackling and winning in games? Yeah, great, great lead in there. And it's gaming, get ready. Like it's, you know, it's I, the leading uh, market right now in crypto in terms of users and uh, transactions, not obviously in terms of volume and TVL. But when you look at the market uh, saturation we have, it's like nothing. <laughs> We've got 0.0001% of gaming or something. And even, but look at these numbers. These numbers are, there's massive growth. The last two years, while the market's been asleep, the builders have been building. And you know, I look at scale every day. We're usually in the top five in terms of both transactions and unique active wallets. And a big, big piece of that is thanks to gaming. Um, when we look at gaming, we are focused on helping gamers actually really use blockchain. There are a lot of games that just have Web2 games. They store some wallets on the back end and like somebody buys an NFT, okay, it's stored on chain. Then you just play a Web2 game and hey, somebody, you know, wants to buy something, okay, that's on chain. Someone wins something, okay, maybe at the end of the day, there's one transaction that, you know, but it's not really Web3 gaming. <laughs> It's really kind of like two, you know, web 2.2 gaming. <laughs> and so, and that's because gas fees and block computation size limits. Scale lets you have do much more with the block size and the, the smart contract computation as a developer, but it also lets you, you know, we talked about this free gas fees. It's not free. Developers have to buy scale tokens and rent a part of a chain. And actually, you know, you're still paying, but the unit economics are better. And so you can do so much more on chain. So these games are flocking to scale because they actually can do what they wanted to do. Um, we had, you know, one game dev has this like game, you know, blockchain destroyer uh, demo game. And he he puts every chain through it. It just smashes every single chain and, and kills it. And it, like it didn't do that with scale. And now, you know, he's putting all his games on scale and he's got a huge, you know, massive 600 person uh, developer studio. And so there's a lot of good in this, you know, you know, public information, you see, you'll, you know, these, so, Hey, we've, we've, you know, we're trying to be developer first. One mm -hmm. of our, I think strengths has always been focus on the developer, focus on product, build a big community, you know, focus on decentralization. And I think, you know, thankfully the narrative is catching up where people are recognizing there's more than either a roll-up or a monolithic layer one to help scale things, especially high volume applications like gaming. Oh, we didn't even go into the monolith. Oh, goodness. We didn't, that, that's a whole, <laughs> for those that don't know, the whole monolithic type of blockchain conversation is rampant in the kind of the blockchain aisles and kind of corners of the world. So we're not going to go into that because that could take us for days. I'm not going to yeah. do that right now. Really, what I would love to hear kind of towards the end here is that, you know, obviously gaming has become a big part of what you guys are focusing on over there at Skill. For 2024, you know, I think a lot of us are starting to feel that obviously with the ETF, you know, potentially whenever that comes out, obviously we're, we're doing this on January 5th. Maybe it comes out next week. Who knows? But, you know, that is 
definitely caused, you know, people to, you know, reevaluate things. Some people have said, well, if it's not dead yet, then I ain't going to die. I think Jim Cramer on CNBC said something about that Bitcoin can't be killed. Um, so Connolly knows he's, <laughs> he's he's wavered on this back and forth for years. Uh, I think there's a consensus or there's a growing consensus that, you know, we're still here, as you alluded to at the very beginning. And now is the time to really kind of put the pedal on the metal and start seeing what we can do with this thing. Um, so for 2024, we'd love to hear kind of what you know, scales, you know, mission is what the product roadmap is for 2024. Again, you know, I figure gaming is going to be a big part of that. Are, are there any things, you know, that you guys have out there that we, you know, should be watching out for in 2024 in terms of, you know, big milestones or big kind of, uh, you know, developments? Yeah, great, great question. Um, so if you, if you look back, let's rewind back to June, 2022, I think scale had about 10, maybe a hundred thousand on-chain transactions ever. Okay. <laughs> And then Scale V2 rolled out, and you know that coincided obviously with a major market drop. <laughs> and so we've been quietly building, right? Um, and we had last month we had 31 million on-chain transactions and 3.5 million unique wallets. Okay, and you know, but if you look at the DeFi, so you look at gaming, you look at you know AI applications, you look at social apps. There's a boat. We're in the lead. We're in the top five. But if you look at Scale, the the DeFi numbers are low. And that's really been just because of focus of the developer community. But now there's an initiative to really bootstrap uh, DeFi in the scale ecosystem and do that by not servicing, you know, 10,000 whales of DeFi, but helping 3.5 million active wallets swap tokens, right? And so it's a really, it's, what excites me is it brings real utility to DeFi. Someone needs to swap something to do something, not just, you know, change the assets in their portfolio. And so that's, you know, going to be a big initiative and it's a public initiative of, you know, around scale chain pricing, uh, the on-chain voting uh, was was approved and on-chain, uh, there was a successful vote uh, that on-chain voting is now, or uh, on-chain chain fee payments are now live. Um, that's a big initiative and, you know, really pushing forward. So you know, letting, uh, you know, those, I'd say those are two key things and then leaning into our strength the same time, you know, as a, you know, we've, we've become far more decentralized as well and have far more builders, you know, integrating and working on, on scale. I think it's really critical to lean into the strengths of the network. And that's really, again, you know, high volume, high through throughput applications and, you know, and, and it's and just seeing that market flourish uh, is our goal. And at the end of the day, whoever helps developers the most, in my opinion, is going to win. Awesome. Well, this was a great catch up. Very, very long overdue. And we will make sure that that does not happen again, especially with everything that's happening now away from the theoretical, but actually from the real, you know, kind of actual, actual usage that you guys have been able to generate, which is fantastic. Jack, it's been a pleasure catching up with you again. We'll make sure everyone has show notes on where to find information on scale and we'll be seeing you soon. Take care. Thank you. Thanks for listening in to Baselayer. If you like the show and all the different guests that we've brought on, please give a like and subscribe on Apple or Spotify or wherever you do listen to the podcast. Also, if you want to have a conversation or reach out to me, you can reach me out on Twitter at David J. Nage. And let's talk there. Or also you can find me on LinkedIn. And I look forward to having great conversations with you all about digital assets.